Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumboldt.org. Hey, good morning, Oak Hill Church. We're so glad that you could join us online. If you're new with us, uh, we would love for you to connect with us. And so here are a few ways you can do that. Uh, You can go to our website, oakhillhumboldt.org, and see a little window into our church. Uh, You can also click on our Facebook page and uh, click like on our page, and then you'll get regular ongoing updates of what's going on in the life of our church right now. And then also, if you're interested, our email address is office at oakhillhumble.org. And so you can sign up there to um, just get regular ongoing email updates of what's going on in the life of our church uh, during this unique season. Well, if you're here with us last week, we started a new series called The Extraordinary Opportunity. And we, we want to see this time of adversity as an opportunity, uh, not just an unwanted disruption, but God's invitation to us to grow deeper in our faith in Jesus. And so last week, if you were here with us, uh, we wanted to give you the opportunity to to grieve, uh, to grieve and to hope in God. And so we invited you to consider this main point to lay out your grief and then lead your heart to hope in God. And so I know that some of us are still dealing with grief. In fact, I read an article this past week about the discomfort that we feel in this new normal is really the grief that's inside of us. We're, We're still grieving. And so Lay out that grief to God uh, and then lead your heart to hope in Him. Well, this week, uh, we're going to look at a different opportunity that we have. It's the opportunity uh, for some deep cleaning in our lives. Um, I don't know about you, but this uh, time, this season, has given way to opportunities to um, get to some cleaning that we haven't done. And so, uh, my wife and I, uh, we just have one closet. It's kind of a smaller closet in our bedroom. And so, that's Jamie's closet, obviously. And so, my closet's at the end of the hallway. And it's, a, it's kind of a bigger closet, so it's become somewhat of a, a catch-all closet. And for, for months, for maybe years, it's needed a deep clean. And so, this, this past week, I decided to, to tackle this, this big closet. And I have to tell you, when I started this project, it was a bit overwhelming. I mean, I looked at all the, the clutter and all the, uh, the old uh, clothes and all the, the things that needed to be thrown away, and a lot of things needed to go. Um, a lot of things that were old and outdated and just didn't fit anymore. A lot of things needed to be removed. But the other thing I noticed as I was cleaning, um, all of a sudden something that was buried, um, I, I brought out, and, and it was something that I had forgotten that I had had. And, and it was something that I'm so glad because I needed to, to, to keep that. It was important to me and, and to bring it out and to enjoy it. And I thought that that's kind of what God may be doing with us uh, during this season with this coronavirus. He's, he's cleaning out our lives. And he's asking us the question, hey, what needs to go and what needs to stay? So that's really the main point that we're going to look at today, that God is, is cleaning out our lives, much like I was cleaning out my closet. And, he's, and he's, he's coming into our lives and saying, hey, there's some things that need to go. Uh, you, you've kept that for a number of years in your life, and, and that just needs to go. But there are some things that need to stay. There are some things that need to be uh, brought out and, and, and used and, 
and, and to remain, to stay in your life. And so with that in mind, let's read through uh, these familiar words of Jesus in John chapter 15. So if you've got a Bible, I invite you to turn to John chapter 15. We're going to read verses 1 to 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can uh, read the words on the screen in back of me. And, and kids, maybe during this time, if you're able to take some notes, we've provided for your sheet. Or if you just want to uh, color during this time or even check out, that's okay. So here we go. We're going to read through this text together. Uh, John 15, starting with verse 1. This is the word of God. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so again, this is the main point that I want to draw out from here, is that God is cleaning our lives. He's cleaning your life and there are some things that need to go and some things that need to stay. And so let's, let's start with what, what needs to go in our lives, what needs to go. And so he begins by saying, Jesus does, he says, I am the vine. I'm the vine. Now this is one of the seven I am statements of Jesus in the book of John. This is the last one. And he says, I am the true vine. And that would have meant a lot uh, to his original audience. The vine was a symbol of Israel. They were called to be a fruitful people and yet they failed time and time again. They, they sinned and they disobeyed God and they didn't bear fruit for the glory of God. And so now Jesus comes on the scene and says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. So if you connect up with me, if you believe in me and if you abide in me, you'll be fruitful because I'm the source of life, of abundant life and eternal life. So he says, I am the vine. And then he says, you are the branches. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So he says, there's really two types of branches. There's a fruitless branch and a fruitful branch. Which one are you? Now, the, the fruitless branch, it says, he, it does not bear fruit, and he takes it away. So, so what is this fruitless branch? You know, as Christians... Uh, we are called to bear fruit. Every Christian, if you're a sincere believer in Jesus, you will bear fruit. Christ makes a visible difference in your life. So what he's saying here is that if you're claiming to be connected with Jesus and you're bearing no fruit, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you away. You're gonna be cut off. James chapter 2, verse 14 writes, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So I understand that, that many of us have grown up in the church and, and we're able to uh, communicate a lot of things about Jesus and about the church and, and what we believe. And yet, it's not just what we say with our lips. It's, it's what, we, what we do with our lives that give evidence of our faith in Jesus. Later, he'll say faith without works is dead. We're like a dead branch that needs to be removed from the vine if we're producing no fruit. 
In John 15, 6, he goes on to say, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. And so this is, this is a warning for us in this time of this coronavirus. Uh, this will be kind of a reality check. When, when suffering, when affliction, when uh, difficult circumstances come into our lives, it sometimes reveals the substance of our faith. I think of, I think of Judas how he claimed to be connected with Jesus for three years in his public ministry. He just followed Jesus and was one of the quote-unquote disciples. And yet he loved money more than he loved Jesus. And it was all revealed when Christ went to the cross. And so let that be a warning for us. Are we believing in Jesus? If so, are we bearing fruit for Jesus? And then he goes on to talk about this, this fruitful branch. So if that was the fruitless branch, here's the fruitful branch. So every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So he's speaking now to sincere believers in Jesus. If you really are a Christian, you're going to bear fruit. And if you are bearing fruit, Jesus says you will be pruned in order to bear more fruit. And so what is this pruning? What is this pruning? Well, in agricultural terms, this is kind of taking away all those unnecessary uh, parts of this vine that are not needed for the plant to grow. And it's the same in our lives. What God is doing is he's removing unnecessary, useless things in our lives in order that we might bear more fruit for God. And oftentimes this pruning process is painful. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, we see it's comparative to a father who loves his children this is what it says. He disciplines us, God does, for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so even you children out there, the reason why your parents will correct you and discipline you is because they love you. you you've moved outside the, the circle of safety. You're in danger if you're disobeying. And so just like our Heavenly Father... We want to move you towards safety, and sometimes that can be a painful process. We need to be trained, trained by it. So God is training us in this pruning process. He's also testing us. In 1 Peter 1.6, it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. We'll just stop right there. Notice the paradox again of the Christian life we talked about last week. In this you rejoice even though you're grieved by various trials. He's saying you're rejoicing in the salvation that God has given you, and yet at the same time, you're, you're sad because you're grieved by the various trials that come your way. And notice these trials are only for a little while. That's, that's life. We're going to experience difficulties and challenges and suffering along the way. And it's only if necessary, only if God deems it necessary, Certainly we can say that God is sovereign over this virus and he has deemed it necessary that we walk through this trial. He is testing us. So it says in verse 7, it goes on to say, so that these trials have come, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this, this is a test of our faith. These, these trials that come our way, God is, is testing us to show what's the substance of your faith when you come out of this suffering. Is it still there? Does it remain? So God is, is training us and he's 
testing us, and he's also teaching us. It says in Psalm 119, verse 71, It is good, David writes, for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. It's good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. So I realize um, this coronavirus has kept our kids out of school, and yet all of us here, we're all, we're all going to a different kind of school right now, right? We're in the school of suffering, in the school of affliction. And God has reasons for why we're in this school. There are some things he wants to teach us that would, would have never been able to be taught had we not experienced this season of suffering. And so he wants us to learn. God is, is training us. He is, he is testing us and he is teaching us in this pruning process. But what's the purpose behind it? Why is he doing all that? Well, he says this, he's pruning us that we may bear more fruit. And all of that will bring glory to God. And so you might ask the question, well, what is this fruit that God wants from our lives? In Galatians chapter five, Paul says, but the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. I don't know about you, but I think every one of us has room to grow in these fruits of the spirit, right? Me included. And I wonder if God is using these um, moments in our lives now, especially as it relates to the home life, uh, to grow us deeper and to prune us so that we would grow in the fruit of the Spirit, that we would become more kind to one another, that our, our patience would grow with one another, that we'd become more gentle with each other in our marriages and with our kids. As we relate with one another, God is so kind to give us this virus so that we become more and more like Jesus. Even though that's a painful process, that's what he's up to. Now this verse here kind of comes out of the blue, but he adds, already you are clean. And that's the same word for pruned. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So here's, here's kind of the irony of all of this is that you have been made clean already when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. When you believed in the word, the gospel word, you've already been cleansed. And yet, it's an already not yet. He's continually cleansing us and pruning us till we're conformed in the image of Jesus. And so, here's the main point again. God is cleaning out your life. He's asking the question, he's asking you the question, so I'm gonna ask you the same question. Hey, what needs to go? in your life? What needs to be pruned away that's hindering your faith in Jesus? How is God using this time to, to train you, to test you, and to teach you? What needs to go? And then, secondly, what needs to stay? So some things need to be removed, but other things need to remain. And so here's what he says in John 15, 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so he repeats this word abide. What does that word mean? It means to stay vitally connected to him, to remain in him, literally to make our home in Jesus. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when uh, we walk through various trials in life, it exposes these false idols that we turn to, that we try to abide in, that we hope will bring us comfort. 
And when those things are taken away from us, it makes us angry inside because we, we wanted comfort in that. We, we wanted control over that. And all of a sudden, he's exposing the things that we're looking to for comfort and really for, functionally, our salvation. In other words, if, if you take that away, I'm not going to be happy anymore. And so God is removing things so that we would remain in him, that we would abide in Jesus. And so what does that look like? How do we abide in him? Well, he goes on to say this in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And so abiding in Jesus means abiding in his word. And so this becomes a challenge for us, right? So we've got to take time, make time, to be with Jesus in his word. That's how we abide with Jesus. That's how we stay vitally connected to Jesus. We're branches on the vine. We've got to stay connected to his word. And so what are your regular rhythms right now? How are you getting into the word of God on a daily basis? I'm talking to kids, students, adults. Make it a regular rhythm that you can get into God's word on a daily basis. My words would abide in you. And notice his prayer life, asking whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. If we're praying in such a way that we're filled with the Spirit of God, we have the Word of God in us. And so we're praying the heart of God. We're wanting what God wants. And that's what He wants from our lives, to be regularly growing in His Word and in our prayer life. I think of Daniel. In a time of crisis, you know, here comes this edict from the king. You can only bow down and worship this golden statue and, and what does Daniel do? How does he react in this time of crisis? Well, it says in Daniel 6.10, he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. I love that. As he had done previously. This was his pattern. This was his rhythm. He would pray three times a day. And it didn't matter if this crisis came. He would continue that so same normalcy. And I want us to continue uh, to abide in the vine. Keep, keep staying vitally connected to Jesus. I know you have to do some of that online, but continue to stay connected to Jesus and have these rhythms in your life. You know, I think about uh, some of us, we had the excuse, well, I don't have any time to read the Bible. I don't have any time to pray. Well, we can't, you can't use that excuse anymore, right? We've got lots of time. We've got lots of time on our hands. So, so how are you going to use that time? How are you gonna use that time to have a regular rhythm of prayer, a regular rhythm of reading God's word? I encourage you to do that. So we abide in his word. We also abide in his love. Jesus says, if the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. This is an astounding statement. The Father has loved me, and I'm gonna love you in the same way. And so abide in my love. Just, just rest in my love, Jesus says. Make your home in my love. You know, throughout this um, challenging season of our lives, I think some of us may be prone to ask the question, well, what is, does he really love me? If, if I'm going through all of this, you know, these struggles, these challenges, does, does he really love me? And oftentimes we can look inward and, and we grow anxious and even discouraged and depressed. And our lives seem to be constricted, right? We're on top of each other in our homes. We're kind of confined to the home. And then and we're kind of constricted as we look at our screens all day long. And so this confining, constricting anxiety can come over us. And I just want to give you advice. Go outside and go take a long walk. 
either by yourself, with your spouse, but, but take some time to go outside and go for a long walk or a long jog. And if you don't want to take my word for that, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6. He says, go outside and look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So go outside, go, go look at the birds. And then he says this, and why are you anxious about clothing? See how the lilies of the field grow. So, so look at the flowers of the field. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So, so listen to Jesus here, his, his counsel to us. So if, if you're so constrained, so constricted here, get your eyes off yourself and look at my creation. Look at my care for my creation and, and how I am concerned about the littlest of things, the, the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. I care about those things. I provide for those things. And so I will provide for you. Don't be anxious. Don't be discouraged. Get your eyes off you and get them on to me in my creation, go outside. I think some of us, we're dealing with that anxiety, depression. This also helps to remedy our struggle with lust. Specifically men, I want to show you this quote here by John Piper, he says this, the sky is a great power against lust. Pure, lovely, wholesome, powerful, large-hearted things cannot abide in the soul of a sexual fantasy at the same time. And so, He's telling us, get, get away from uh, your inward, me-focused eyes on a screen and get outside and see the beauty of God and his creation and you'll begin to set your gaze upon things that are bigger and better and more lovely and beautiful. And so when it comes to abiding in Jesus, uh, we've gotta remain in him, uh, pursue our, our greatest satisfaction in him. But I also want to say this, as we abide in Jesus, as we stay vitally connected to him, I also know that our marriages right now are going to, are going to be coming under uh, assault from the enemy. Um, in, a, in a time of isolation, in a time where emotions are running high, uh, we've got to be ready to stay vitally connected to one another and to our spouse. And so here's just a few quick things for couples, all right? Number one, know that your spouse is not your enemy. We already have an enemy. It says in Ephesians 6, 12, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so listen, you and your wife, you and your husband, you're on the same team. Even though the, the challenges um, are many, be sensitive to one another and realize your enemy is not your spouse. The other thing I wanna encourage you with is this. Uh, we've gotta be gracious to one another. Um, we've gotta be kind to one another during this time. We've gotta be connected to the vine in order to produce the fruit of the spirit of patience and kindness and gentleness uh, because we're, we're running on, on less, right? We are, um, we're stressed out. I, I love this uh, tweet that my wife showed me. Uh, by Christy Thornton, she said this, almost every human you interact with is the stressed version of themselves right now. Can you relate? That means they need more grace from you. And it's probably harder for you to be gracious, but be gracious anyway. So we, we've got to be gracious, especially in our marriage relationship, be gracious with one another as we are struggling together uh, through this time. 
And then this, this last thing, um, just to make a plan, all right? To make a plan and to, to just pursue creativity in your dates. I know that's difficult, um, but, but try to get the, the, get the end of the rhythm uh, with your spouse to carve out time together. And so as we close here, uh, just to summarize, God is cleaning out your life. He is, all of us. He's, he's pruning us. He's removing something. So what needs to go from your life and what needs to then stay and remain? Well, when I was cleaning out my closet, I realized that uh, there were a few things that needed to go. And here's, here's one of them. These were like my favorite pair of jeans. Like when I found these, I thought, I still got these? I can't believe I still have these. And yet they're, they're, they're like, like full of holes and they don't fit me anymore. And, and the more I realized, I was like, why am I hanging on to these? I should have gotten rid of these a long time ago. And maybe, maybe there's something in your life right now you know that I just, I just gotta let this go. I mean, I don't need this anymore. Um, it's just taking up space in my closet, in the closet of my life. It's old, doesn't fit me anymore. I'm wearing new clothes in Jesus. I gotta, I gotta just, I gotta let go of that. I, I gotta get rid of it. And yet, the other thing is, while I was cleaning out my closet, I also noticed some things that needed to be brought out into the open. Things that had been buried for so long, and I didn't even realize we still had it. Like this Scrabble game. My wife and I used to play Scrabble a lot. And for some reason, this just, uh, you know, in all the clutter of our closet got pushed to the back. And when I saw this, I smiled. I thought, I gotta bring this out. I gotta, I gotta have this stay part of our lives. And my kids, we enjoy playing this game together. And I thought, there are some things that God is doing in us right now where he's wanting us to let go of some things. But he's also saying, hey, you need to bring some things out and, and to get regular rhythms uh, of beginning to, to remain in those things that matter most. And so God is cleaning out your life. What needs to go and what needs to stay? Let me close with this question here. I got an email this past week from some good friends who just posed this question, what will your story be? So at the end of this coronavirus, as we look back on it, what will your story be? You know, I think that some of us, um, I hope this is not our story, but when we look back, it might be that, hey, I binged on Netflix. I played a lot of video games. I was really harsh to my spouse. I was angry at my kids. And we'll look back at that time and think, what, what happened? Is that our story? Hopefully our story is more like this. You know, that was a time where, where God was pruning me God was teaching me and training me and testing me, but it led to new rhythms in my life. I had a new profound hunger for Jesus. I was in his word. I was praying and seeking him and abiding in the vine. And, and, and these family devotions started during that time. And we were consistent by meeting with each other and just enjoying time together. And I look back at that season, I think God did a great work in my life. And I'm actually thankful for it. What will your story be? This is kind of a defining moment in our culture right now. Maybe it's our World War II or Great Depression. I don't know. But I wonder, what will our stories be when we look back at this time together? And I pray that this would be a story that Jesus has written in our lives where he's taken some things away, but he's keeping some things that would remain. And those things would be mostly things where we're growing and abiding in Jesus together.
So let's pray toward that end. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus and how he is our vine and we're connected to him as the branches. And I pray that we would be fruitful even in a time as challenging as this one. Lord, I pray that you would help us to let go uh, of the things that are hindering our walk with you and that you would, you would teach us during this time. You would train us during this time, even test us during this time, and that the reality and the substance of our faith would remain as you hold onto us. Jesus, we need you. I pray that we would establish some new rhythms, uh, some ways that we can ab abide in you and remain in you, staying vitally connected to you. And I pray for our marriages, God, that you would sustain us by your grace and grow us deeper and deeper and deeper together until you return again. For we pray in Christ's name, amen.